everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen in to the PC Book Club. <laughs> Wait, I need to start again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen to the PC Book Club, a.k.a. PCBC. Every so often, Ricardo Avila and I chat about the books that you should be reading right now. It's just like sitting on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. <laughs> I did not write this. <laughs> um, we may have to re-record that anyway, because I think you just said it's just like sitting on your own private book club. She did. That was great. Sitting on a book club. Sitting on a private book club. That's pretty racy. Sorry. Should I try again? It's just like sitting in on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. So if you're looking for the class with an occasional dose of the sass, then check out the PC Book Club right here on the Popping Collars feed. Class and sass. Love it. <laughs> I was praying. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower. But don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven. Which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. to Bob and Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of popular culture and faith. Um, my name is Betsy Carmody, and I am one of your co-hosts, and I am here in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia, on the other side of spring break, heading into the beautiful spring. The trees are going off. Kids are feeling better. Seniors are starting to fall apart. It's great. It's awesome. It's just just where you want to be at the end of the school year. But I am here with my wonderful co-hosts. Let's take it around the horn, and we will start with Liz. Liz Easton, how you doing? Hey, Betsy. I'm good. Um, I have a cold, so on this episode of oh. the podcast, I will sound a little husky. No, nope. let's say that. Oh, wow. um, oh, okay. <laughs> right? Isn't that the word you would use? Uh, little we'll Kathleen be. Turner. I mean, you're not that husky. I think no. you could be huskier. I just think I was like, a few days ago. I think of okay. like the big okay. and tall kids and like elementary. Oh, like husky like that. No, I meant like a husky voice. Um, let's see. I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. In the time since we last met, I turned 40. <gasps> I know. Oh, yes. Oh, Liz, you said you were traveling. You were anxious about this trip and yeah. all this stuff. How was it? It was great. I went to Palm Springs with two of my girlfriends. It was um, beautiful down there. We went to Joshua Tree National Park one day, which was really fun. I'd never been there before. We ate, we swam, we talked. And it was good. Like, I had no um, reservations about turning 40. And I won't get into it on the pod, but, like, there were some great, like, insights. Like, like what always happens when you pass, like, transition into a new decade or there's a new milestone. Like, there were around my birthday and there already have been like some good insights and intentions about what I want to do, how I want to be, I guess, in the next decade. So that's all good. Fabulous. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, since he's thoughtfully stroking his beard, let's go to Ricardo Avila. It's all those little, 
little bit of wisdom, wisdom happening there. How are you, my friend? Hey, Betsy, I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm, I'm stroking my beard because you said so. I guess I'm the only one with a beard right now. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, yes. I... Menopause has not hit me yet. I'll let you know when we get there. <laughs> Oh, Lord. My name is Ricardo. I'm the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in lovely Los Gatos, California. Uh, we have been, you know, I, I guess I'm at the point where I'm kind of tired of all the rain. Um, I hate to complain. Because You've reached that point. Yeah. Saturation, some would say. God, um, I, uh, I just so I, I just finished a five week house sitting stint which oh, yes. I've done two years in a row now with a parishioner who's got a beautiful big house. And last year it was all joy. I just, I had more time. They have every streaming service under the sun. I watched all this stuff and I took walks in the neighborhood and got to know the neighborhood. Well, this year it rained almost all five weeks or it was super cold and I had no time. So I'm just sort of, it felt, it feels like a lost opportunity. So I was scrambling like my last couple of nights to like find something to watch so I could say I did something. And they have Disney <laughs> Plus. And for some reason, I started watching all the Pixar shorts ever made. Oh. Which there's like 45 of them or something. There's a lot yeah. of them. And they That's were fun. That's cool. They were I fun. Like I thought, oh, this is just six minutes. This is just nine minutes. Well, five hours later. <laughs> yeah, so right. But it was I actually fun. just brought up the one, the Piper one. Oh, the yeah, little bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just talked about that in my class because we were watching wave videos for meditation. And so there were little pipers that were. I like that. I like the That's lava. Cool. I like the singing island one. The lava yeah. one was intense. Mm -hmm. It almost did one. not go well. Yeah. 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 I almost started crying. <laughs> oh, well, that's Pixar's job. That's their number one job. Oh, they got Can me. Can we make you cry? Um, so, no, but, you know, now I'm back. Now I only have Amazon Prime and Netflix, and that's okay, because there's plenty to watch there. I know, yes. Greg. I know. I need HBO. I Too bad. I'll figure it out. But in the meantime, uh, things are going well, I think. I mean, Holy Week. Oh. Uh, Holy Week. Has come yeah. and gone. Oh no, no. Uh, this Holy episode Week comes is... out on Monday. So Holy oh. Week started. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Great. I'm looking forward to Holy Week, except it's a lot of work. We have <laughs> 10 is. services. Whoa. Uh, but I've got enough, I've got enough assisting clergy, bless their hearts, that I only am preaching on Palm Sunday and Easter Day itself, not on Monday, oh, Tuesday, nice. Friday, or Easter Vigil. So um, but it's it's going to be quite a marathon. And I've actually, I've seen people on the social media places who are clergy saying, there's got to be a different way we can do this. You know, do we really yeah. have to do all of this every year? And like, yes, yes, they do. Like, just a moment. Oh, when here we go. When here people, we go. When, listen, when clergy I'll complain take. on social media mm -hmm. about how hard Holy Week is, they're telling their congregations. Five hours later. Right. It's really hard, but when you do it on social media, in front of lay people. Wow. So just for the record, listeners, uh, that I'm sharing You now, love Holy Week. 
And also, it wasn't me who did the sharing. I know. Yeah. Um, no, I do love every Holy Week. I think of you, Ricardo, because I think of us at our field of the parish doing um, that Tenebrae service. And we kept turning the lights out. And we didn't quite think about the fact that the lights were going to start to get low enough that we weren't going to be able to see the light panel anymore. Because like mm. the rector had wanted to bring Tenebrae back, right? right? And so there we were. And I'm like, just whispering to Ricardo and he's like, you know, all I could see is his teeth in the darkness. Anyway, <laughs> it was a great service. It was wow. a great was learning a experience. Okay. Last but not least, the man who oh loves Holy Week, who uh, can't get enough of Holy Week, Greg Knight. I love yeah. it. Especially when uh before Holy Week even starts, I get to do my spring carnival and egg hunt at the Church of Bethesda Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. Hold on, what? Yeah, April 1st. You do an egg hunt before, before Easter? Easter? Yeah. That is one of the few things that I will not tolerate. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Time I'm out. Time so to I'm out. Sorry. When am I supposed sorry. to do it? On Easter. Easter. Easter day. On Easter day? With, yeah. uh, with four yeah. services that morning. I'm supposed yep. to do it on Easter day. Yep. Because no. it's still Lent. It's still no. Lent right now, Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's still Lent. No. There's no way that you could no coordinate way. it. There's no way that you could get multiple yeah, age groups into the garden. There's no <laughs> way. Impossible. And the other yeah, thing I'd is... Order, I'll, order, I'll come down. I'll be your icon consultant. I'm sorry. <laughs> this has nothing I'm to sorry. do with Easter. This is a pagan celebration of spring. And <laughs> I'm, I am all bunny rabbits. Oh, so you think you're in the right because you're after the first day of spring. You think I'm, it's fine. And you're doing an April Fool's Day. What are you saying about? I'm trying to get 400 people to Bethesda to have a good time at an egg hunt. That's what I'm doing. Wow, it is evangelistic. (laughs) You can you can get people from the community back for Easter. Yeah, I gotta say I'm not precious about this stuff. I put up my Christmas tree after Thanksgiving. I do my egg hunt before Easter. Um, Well, actually, so there's a reason why we do this. It's because. We used to do the egg hunt on Easter Day, but the garden had to be secured by Secret Service um, in 2017. Oh, so that was do it on Sundays uh, then. So we had to move it to Saturdays anyway. So it's fine. Now wow. I know who to blame. Now That's I right. know who to blame. No. Got it. Got it. Killed Easter. So, Say no um, more, Greg. Say no more. Well, friends, I hope you're figuring out your Holy Week where you are. And welcome to this episode of Poppin' Collars. Um, we this is now become an annual tradition because once you do things twice, that mm-hmm. means you do them forever, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. So this is our pop swap episode. We have each given each other a piece of popular culture to watch, listen to. We reversed our order this year, I believe, is what we ended up doing, if, if I'm correct. And uh, it's because we all have blind spots, right? We all have blind spots. Last year, I got to watch Casablanca which I had never seen before. Um, Ricardo's, he gave me a list of seven to 10 movies and I got to pick from that and they were ranked, I'm going to say. And so this was the first one that I hadn't seen. So, so I think it's always, this is a fun activity. I think it exposes you to something that maybe will be with you forever or it might be some weird thing that someone made you watch and then you're never going to go back to it again. So I'm intrigued to see the reviews. Greg has got the bag. Let's yes. Uh, so I think the way that we do this is uh, I pull out one name and then we go in order from there. 
So like I'll pull out a name. Oh yes, yes, so yes, yes that works. That's Where cool. will we begin? Oh. So uh so I've pulled out a G for Gregory, oh. which is me. Ah, which is um, you. Nice. Yeah. So let me talk about what I got. So Liz was my person this time. Mm-hmm. And in true Liz fashion, she sent me a text and said, Can you read a book? And I said, No, I don't read books. <laughs> I, I said, Can't can you read? No, I wasn't sure if I was giving you enough time. It felt like a big assignment. No, what, uh, what listeners don't know is that one of my New Year's resolutions was to actually read the books that we feature on our PCBC. Nice. <laughs> so, so I'm currently in a pretty good reading groove. I just finished The Night Watchman and then listened oh. back to that episode where you guys talked about The Night Watchman. Nice. It makes a lot more sense uh, once I've read the book. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Liz recommended a book. The title of it is Now is Not the Time to Panic. And it was written by Kevin Wilson. And immediately I thought to myself, Kevin Wilson, I have a friend named Kevin Wilson. It's not that Kevin Wilson. It's a different guy. Oh, different guy. Different guy. Um, But uh, now is not the time to panic. So Liz also sent an ominous note uh, with this text saying, don't read anything about the book before you start to read it. So I followed directions. I did not read anything uh, to spoil the book or give me any kind of impression of the book um a synopsis of the story it is a coming of age story that features a young girl named um frankie budge i think her last name is and uh she has a friend uh named zeke brown and the two of them are 16 years old and it's told over a summer in the mid 90s and they're doing sort of summer teenagery things. But one of the things that they do is they make a piece of art together. Um, she writes this phrase, this sort of nonsensical phrase, and he draws this picture and they make copies of this thing that they've made together. It's a poster and they spread it around town. And it causes a bit of a viral sensation around the town, around the country, and so on yeah. and so forth. And so, um, and so the the book kind of flashes back to that time uh, when they're sixteen and they're young and sort of making this thing, and it's kind of getting out of their control. And then twenty seventeen, when she's an older woman and she has to live with sort of the repercussions of having made this thing this thing that's become hmm. sort of a sensation and um and nobody knows that they did it and i gotta say like you know liz sent this thing of like don't read anything about it and so my mind like you know so the, so the nonsensical phrase is basically um hang on i committed it to memory i'm pretty sure uh the edge is a shanty town full of gold seekers we are fugitives and the law is skinny with hunger for us. So that's the phrase that's on the poster. And again, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it was really personal. It all hinges on this one summer where these two teenagers meet each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the origin of it and this this weird line that they write was all from my own life that I kind of built up. Yeah. Yeah. How, so tell us about how that one line how it played out in your life and tell us the line if you will yeah so the line is the edge is a shanty town filled with gold seekers we are fugitives and the law is skinny with hunger for us Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what it means, but uh, <laughs> when I was in college, I was uh, rooming with this guy, a really charismatic guy named Eric, who was leaving after the summer to go to L.A. to be an actor. And I was working for the medical center putting this policy manual online, and I got so bored that I just started writing random stuff, and no one ever noticed. And I asked Eric, do you have a line? And he said, that line. That line. And 25 years later, it was, it's been burned into my brain. I say it almost every day, and I needed a way to write about it into the story. And then almost when I was finished, Eric suddenly unexpectedly died. Oh. And so for me, this book was the way to kind of keep that phrase alive and to hear other people say it or read it is that really is, incredible. That is so beautiful. You, you this phrase shows up very early in the novel. And so when I first started reading, I was like, oh, she's like a CIA agent. And this is like an activation code to like get her into the thing. Oh, this is going to be very exciting. And no, that wasn't it. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe there's something supernatural. Like it's some kind of phrase that like calls down like ghosts or something. No, it's not that either. It's just, it's just straight up kids making art. Um, but it's so funny because like it says a lot about kind of where I steep my world that like my brain was going off into like fantasy kind of stuff and not sort of focused on like, what's the story of what's happening to these kids and how it's affecting their lives. And so, yeah. So, uh, so now is not the time to panic a lovely sort of coming of age story um, about making art and living with the repercussions of making art. I am super curious as to why Liz has picked this book. So Two things, three things, <laughs> reasons. One, it, it is short. Like I read it in like a short period of time. It's a pretty small book. So I thought like if I'm going to give him a book, he could like get this done in this time frame. Also, I had just read it. So I was like, oh, it'd be nice if someone else would read this. But then also like the time being set in the 90s kind of reminded me of you. And there is sort of like a... um to me, that li the line that they repeat over and over throughout the book reminded me of like a band lyric, like a punk rock kind of band lyric. When the book opens and she first repeats it, you thought that it was a CIA code. I thought mm -hmm. that it was like, oh, my God, she was like in a famous band or something. So it was sort of, sort of about the time frame. And then I'm really interested in um, just the idea of moral panics in general. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. was like a great telling of a moral panic that had some stakes, but it was, but not the type that we're used to. Like it wasn't like the satanic panic, it, it's satanic panic adjacent, but mm -hmm. it wasn't like the, um, you know, people going to jail for years because of a story or something like that. It was a almost like quiet thing that happened sort of mysteriously and then to see a person live with it for the rest of her life. And the poster that Greg was talking about, it doesn't just, we're kind of ruining the book, but not really. Um, it doesn't just like spread through their town or through the country, it like spreads all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, it becomes like this. It becomes folk. like a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, mm -hmm. they are sort of these anonymous folk heroes that can never take credit for it. And also don't want to, because there were some dark aspects of how, it played out. So I just love a story that um, it felt really believable, mm -hmm. but also completely unexpected. Like I would never think to look mm -hmm. for a story like this or tell a story like this, but it felt really real. 
Well, it's also like there's a bit of a naive naive aspect to it, too, where like Mm -hmm. they make this thing that nowadays we would say, oh, that thing went viral or that, you know, this thing that you made went viral. Mm -hmm. And we say we use that term a lot nowadays as if it's a goal to be reached. Right. Like you want Mm -hmm. to put something out on the Internet and get it to spread as far as possible. And these kids were just they were just making art for themselves they became obsessed with the artwork that they made to the point that they just put it up all over the place. And then that made other people obsessed with it. So it wasn't, it wasn't like they had a goal of like getting this art to people. They just loved Mm -hmm. what they made. And there's something like, there's something kind of precious about that, that has to be pre-internet. Um, yeah. because if it, because if it exists in an internet age, then the goal is to get it to spread. There's something kind of lost, I think, for sort of post internet generations of like, you know, that there's something that art is a commodity that has to like either have a ton of likes and shares, or it has to make you a lot of money. And yeah. I don't, I don't think i mean popular art certainly that's always sort of been the case but i don't think that that was always the case for artists um for a long time and this um this story really captures that of like the mm-hmm. thrill of creating um that has no intention of like spreading or selling you know that kind of thing yeah that's awesome Right. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So name so, the book again, Greg. What's the book? Uh, now is not the time to panic by Kevin Wilson, and that was Liz's right. pop swap for me. Thank you, Liz. All right. So now we get to talk about what Greg gave me. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about this piece of cinema? Wait. Me, you, you tell people. Yeah, you tell people okay. what it is that you watch. All right, all right. So when Greg gave this to me, let's go to the text. For the pops, I have your pop stop item. It's the movie Strawberry Mansion. It used to be on Hulu. Not sure if it's still there or not. He then later said, I don't think you're going to like it. I feel like he might have said that to me. But he knew this was going to be a hard one for me. I don't know how. How did you know this would be hard for me, Craig? I mean, it's a weird movie. But <laughs> It's a weird-ass movie. Okay. So this is a movie called Strawberry Mansion. It came out in 2021. The premise behind the movie is that we are in the year 2035. And evidently for a while, people have been recording their dreams. And from those recordings, their dreams are taxed. So items will show up in their dreams and it's like, oh, here's a hot air balloon. 35 cents, please. Right. And so you have to you have to audit your you have your dreams have to have essentially a tax return. And they've been doing it so long that technology has changed. You used to record them on VHS and now there are these like, you know, like thumb drive type things. It starts out very surreal and you eventually figure out you're in someone's dream. And I was like, this feels like a movie that I might have agreed to watch in college to show that I was cool. I'm here to perform a preliminary audit. It appears we have no tax records for you or your property. Oh. And I couldn't help but notice all the tapes have been not updated to the new format. You know, the air sticks became mandatory seven years ago. I guess I lost track of time. 
I will begin my audit immediately. He's waking up. Where's Bella? You want to kiss me? What? Do you believe that your dreams are your own? Of course. I want you to look at this. You find anything interesting on the tapes? I think I'm losing my mind. They're trying to kill you. Come on, we have to go. Well, why are they trying to kill me? Because of what you know. Captain! A blue demon! Bella! No sign of Bella. Gotta find her. Uh... You've been a bad boy. Excuse me. I've been a bad boy. Death to all bad boys. What's wrong with you people? Ah! We're disintegrating! Find it, Preble! You can find it! Why did you bring me here? I wanted someone to share my dreams with. I mean, I will say, you know, this was indie film. And after I kind of got into the concept, I was a little more forgiving of the movie. I will say I am a subtitles watcher I, I watch things with, with the subtitles turned on and i always love the way they describe the music so throughout this it's all synthesizer music so it was foreboding synthesizer music discordant synthesizer music tense synthesizer music pensive nostalgic dramatic throughout the movie now greg i did i did enjoy it in the end in the end, I thought it was interesting. I have brought it up in conversation with people around here because the the you know there's a sneaky part of the movie. This is a spoiler: is that the government has been sneaking advertising into your dreams? Ooh. Has been what's happening, and so through kind of this relationship that the auditor, whose uh, whose name is Preble. Uh, figures out he's auditing this old woman who hasn't turned in any of her returns. So she's got just tapes and tapes and tapes of her dreams. And he's watching her dreams and auditing them through kind of figuring out that she and, and her previous, her, her dead husband had figured out how to make a helmet you could wear when you dream that could block the ad. And, uh, and that, that there are some people in the movie who have a vested interest and keeping that ad stream going. I was able to, to figure out what was dream and what was reality, but it did start to get a little messy here yeah. and there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm surprised that you said you kind of liked it. I don't, I don't know that I like this movie. <laughs> but know, it right? is a movie. <laughs> well, but it is a movie that stuck with me. So, so yeah. a fun fact, I, I watch a ton of movies between January and March. And the reason is because so many movies come out during the year that it's like, how am I supposed to weed through all of these movies? So I have two podcasts that I really love that put out mm -hmm. like top 10 lists of their favorite movies for the year. I watch like Oscar nominated movies and I watch whatever's on the AFI top 10 list. And I get like a list of like 30 or 40 movies and I just watch them all like in January hey. and February, basically. And uh, Strawberry Mansion was on one of these critics lists. I fired it up, not knowing anything about it. And it is, I mean, 
honestly, it's it's in the vein of like a David Lynch movie or something like that. It's mm-hmm. very surreal. But the whole premise of it is that it's built on dreams. And it just so happens that I'm doing a Bible study right now on the book of Genesis. And so dreams are like very much in my wheelhouse. Like the thing that I loved mm-hmm. about this movie is that there's no real inherent logic to the movie, but there's a ton of dream logic to the movie, just in the way that like when you have a dream, it makes sense. But then you think about it when you're awake and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense at all. That's kind of how this mm-hmm. movie works. And yeah. I appreciated like how they were able to nail that kind of vibe. But also, like, there's probably real meaning to this movie. And if you sit down and think through it, you can probably figure it out. Just like you can probably figure out what skinny cows mean, you know, in the land of Egypt. But like, but for most people, you're just going to see that image and think, not for me, and move on. And so much of scripture is sort of bound up in this sort of dream language, dream logic and somewhere the meanings in that mix, whether it be like an apocalypse story, whether it be a dream story in Genesis, a dream story in Daniel, like all of that stuff, it's all sort of bound up in this kind of surreal quasi language. And that's what I thought that this movie did well was sort of identify that kind of image or language. Yeah. Mm. Was it a horror movie or a thriller no. or a sci fi or a romance kind of a little more sci-fi if we're getting into some of the kind of futuristic technology but at the same time like this is not a big budget production so the thing he's putting on his head to audit the dreams definitely looks like a cardboard box with a couple of dixie drinking cups coming out the front of it that's exactly so i was like you know this is what this is okay got it so it, it, it's it's a future that doesn't look very far off from what we're lead, leading right now. It's like 12 years in the future. And so, I don't know. It was, it stuck with me. You're right, Greg. I, I mean, it, it, it reminded me of how kind of judgy I am about the cinema that I watch. And that I didn't know a lick of, I did know a couple of actors who were in this. Sort of, kind of. I had to look them up. There was one woman who was from Orange is the New Black who's in it. and then. Um, I kind of knew as a character actor, the person who played the older woman's son. And so that, but that was it. And, and so I would definitely look at a movie with this and be like, do I know anybody who's in it? I don't. Sorry. And that's kind of where I've gotten to with my time. I, I, I applaud your energy, Greg, around the number of movies that you watch wow. in the winter time. Like it's a lot. And I, that's, that's, that's energy that 25 year old Betsy had. That's not energy. <laughs> The 48 year old Betsy has at this point. And I'm not saying you don't have a life. Like I'm not like, you know, implying that in any way, but you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of what you're up to. Well, I would just say like, there's good art out there. I mean, I think that this Absolutely. is, I think this is an example of that. I mean, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not going to blow you away, but it's also like, it's a story that kind of sticks with you. And I think that that's kind yeah. of what good art does. It makes you think, you know, about what it is that you watch, kind of think back through it a little bit. And there's a concept here that I know that I experienced a lot when I was younger and I don't experience it nearly as much, which is like the it's it's kind of what Liz was talking about with the book. It's this idea of let yourself be surprised. Like mm. I knew nothing about this movie before I started watching it. 
And even when I was done, I was like, I don't know exactly what it was that I just watched. Like we have so much marketing around movies nowadays that I don't know how frequently I can say that, like whether it be trailers or just viral marketing about a movie or something like that. Like I kind of had a sense of what everything everywhere all at once was before I watched that movie. And it affects the way that you see the movie. To go into a movie just purely blind is so I did. rare. I did go in purely that, blind. Yeah, mm-hmm. that it really affects like how it is that you absorb what it is that you're watching. Yeah. Well, thank you, Greg. Thank you for sharing this movie with me. As oh, weird as it was. That was very diplomatic, Betsy. I I am trying. I'm trying. Uh, okay. No, but it was good. It was good. There's a blue so, demon in it at one point. There that's the oddest part. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Wait. Yeah. Is the blue demon related to that blue demon horse in the Denver airport? Uh, oh, it kind of um, looks like I it. I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Has... Ooh, shout out, callback to the, one of our previous episodes. Yeah, the blue demon has like a cow skull or something, and yes. um, and when it speaks, it sounds like a smoke alarm. Yeah, <laughs> and its eyes light up. Its eyes light up. Wow. So it's a real, as I said again, big budget, big budget. Nice. Can't, can't wait to see that. Well, I love like, I love being able to describe scenes like that because they do sound like describing a dream. It's like you lick an ice cream cone that actually has two meteorites inside. <laughs> Greg, quit spoiling the movie. <laughs> Yeah, so now we're on to Ricardo. Okay, well, Betsy, I, I, gave more an item and, too. I am more and more appreciating what you gave me after what I've been hearing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, so Betsy, uh, possibly uh, thinking I have a, a a podcast hole in my life, which I kind of do, maybe, uh, maybe. suggested uh, that I listen to three about 90-minute episodes of a podcast called Ask Rana with Rana and Brian. And uh, so the premise, let's see if I can get this right here. Um, the premise is, so so Rana is a character and she's a 60-year-old something wealthy woman who lives in Marblehead, Massachusetts. But really in real life, it's a younger actress, comedian, who plays that character. And she's got a very thick, I don't know if it's New York or New Jersey accent. or Mar- oh, oh, no, it's it's Boston. It's Boston. Well, yeah, yeah, of it's, course. It's it Massachusetts. That's right. Yes. Now, I don't know if that's real, but she 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 keeps it up pretty well. So there's yeah. Rana, and then there's her gay friend sidekick, Brian, who I believe is actually a real person. That's his real name. He's a real actor. He's What's the show? They, they reference one of the shows he's on. He's on um, 911, 911, that show that has Angela Bassett on it. And yeah, he's appeared on like Modern Family. He's appeared on like a bunch of different things, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's his real name. And his name's Brian and he's in his early 40s. And so this show started pre COVID and then it went through COVID. And it's basically the two of them bantering with each other and then taking questions from phone calls and emails. And it's it's everything from um, relationship questions to uh, what to do with family stuff. I mean, it, it it runs the gamut. I got three episodes to listen to, 
And it, uh, I have to confess my, well, wait, let me just, so then at, in each episode that I heard, there's a special guest star. Now, I didn't know any of these people, uh, but the first one is an actor named Justin Kirk, who, when I looked him up, I, I recognized the face, right? So he's in things. He's in Angels in America that when HBO did right. the show with Emma Thompson, he's in Weeds. He's been in the most recently in Perry Mason. Like, yeah, so he's 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 kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Justin Kirk was the guest in the first episode. And then a, a couple named Paul and Janie Tompkins, who have their own podcast. And mm-hmm. um, they were funny. And then the third guest is someone named John Gabris, who I looked up as well, did not recognize, but I guess. I did not recognize him. I just like the content of that episode. So Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Ask Rana, 60-something, Boston accent. Brian, gay actor in his forties. Long story short, it's just it's it's a talk. It's a okay. it's a sort of a banter show well, with a guest, and then you answer questions. Question, but here's my question to you. Someone wrote in to us, and they said that during the pandemic they've been using a bidet. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Brian's been pushing a bidet called Tushy on his it's other. It's a great program. bidet. It's some mm. sort of a, a, a bidet you attach to your toilet. It's very mm. easy to use. They say that the bidet works well, but not entirely. Conan has put on his glasses and I think is doing hard research right now. I'm doing, I am, I am, these are, first of all, they're sunglasses, but the <laughs> prescription sure they and they allow me to, so I, I, I look uh, uh, sight impaired, but I'm not. I'm just writing down the facts here because I'm, I take this very seriously. Are they French, those glasses? Uh, they are, actually. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Jacques Marie Ma. Yes. Wow. God, she's good. I know. You're very good. You're In very good. In any event, uh, they want to know, they've come to us because they say they still need to use a little bit of toilet paper and they want to know what the world's best toilet paper is. And Conan, you have been famous. You've been rich and famous and traveling the world True. with minions for a long time. And I want, and, and on top of that, you've done comedy tours, et cetera, et cetera. I want to know if you can tell us what either your favorite toilet paper is or the best toilet paper you ever used. Uh, I don't have a brand that I use. Okay. Uh, it's very important to me to get get it done right. So for years, uh, I've had my assistant special order me, and it's made uh, actually for me a nine-ply. It's the only nine-ply toilet paper uh, in the Otherwise world. Otherwise known as a towel. Well, some people would <laughs> call a it a towel. You know what? I would say it looks suspiciously <laughs> like a towel. Right. Um, she te- I, I give my assistant Sona quite actually... Uh, probably several thousand dollars a year to get me to lay in a good supply of this nine ply toilet paper. (laughs) And she does return with what does now that you bring it up suspiciously look like a bunch of pretty cheap towels, hand towels. (laughs) Right. But I do use those. Um, They're very soft. I put a little vinegar on it. Don't ask why. Uh, And um, initially I didn't like it. Um, Because when they start their banter, I was just like, they're so kind of, obnoxious. I, I sort of, I thought I wouldn't want to be in a room with them. They're a little scary because their banter is so sharp and so fast. And people like that kind of scare me. They, they were starting a Patreon something or other that you can pay extra for. And so it felt like a big old advertisement for the things that they, they're doing. And so I was getting into, this is tedious, but then they started answering the questions and they're really sharp. This guy writes in, 
I guess he's a a gay man. He's been seeing his therapist for three years and it's on Zoom because it's virtual, right? Well, as he's talking to his therapist, he notices behind his therapist, there's like a framed picture and the framed picture is showing the reflection of what's on the therapist's screen and he's watching gay porn while (laughs) having this session. So wait, are these real questions or do they, they are real questions? Oh my god. And as they say on the show, these people are desperate enough that they have written into this show. Yeah. And wow. you know, wow. they're not doctors, they just can give good advice. Oh my god. Right. And so and so the, the, the question was like, what do I do? You know? Um he he so he he accused him, I guess, after the session was over of watching porn and, or no, he accused him then, are you watching porn? And he said later, oh, my dog hit the remote control button by accident or something uh, <laughs> or hit the button. And, and so it's like the lamest excuse. The and, porn button. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so the, the question is, you know, the thing is, do I leave him because I've established this relationship? It's hard to find a good therapist. Well, uh, the, there were the, the couple, I think, were the guests. And the husband of the mm-hmm. couple said, you know, <laughs> the wife is like, nope, deal breaker. I mean, how can you trust someone who you're paying money to to watch porn while you pour your heart out, right? I mean, it's a no-brainer. Right. But her husband said, you know, it's really hard to find a good therapist. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I was with you that it was a deal breaker until he said he's been seeing him for three years. So presumably there's something that works here. And also we're only human. And this whole Zoom thing and this whole online thing, you know, has got us a little crazy. And so I think he should have another session and they're like, oh, pay him <laughs> to confront him. Um, no, but uh, and, and talk it through. So, you know, this is real, a real boundary crosser. And then Rana, who also is very sharp, she said, you know, it might be that he felt he had to do the dog thing, <laughs> like to lie so blatantly about the dog, because he could get in real trouble. If he admitted mm-hmm. to this, he would lose his license. So oh, it was a dog or oh, it was a mis- misunderstanding. But um, so I was very kind of impressed with how they actually nuanced it pretty well. And mm-hmm. uh, they were really funny as they were answering. I mean, it's it, in this in this context, they are really funny. They're not scary because they're really focused on someone else's problem and really trying to solve it. And then when the funny mm-hmm. comes out, it's in service to that. So, yeah, part of the show I really like. So they were they were good, but all the stuff about selling their products and I don't know what's true and what's a lie sometimes. And they were talking right. about stuff because it is so, it's a lot of it's a lot of improv, right? So they're both really improv artists as well as being actors. I think in their own right. So a lot of it is improv, and some of it is is kind of fun. They actually do do, and then they do an amazing gift guide because Rana's Rana's Jewish. And so it's called Ronica. And so they do an amazing gift guide in November on their episodes. And I will say I've received gifts off of the Ronica list and I have Ooh. given gifts like it's, they, they do nice price points, you know, but they do, they do kind of have this glamor of liking the luxurious things. And I don't know how they know so much. They know a lot. Like the character of Ronica feels completely real. Mm-hmm. When I listen to it, it, you know, that she loves cashmere sweatsuits. She knows all about Prague. 
And I'm just like going, what is happening? <laughs> but the sincerity of the advice yeah. is what I think keeps me coming back. Because you're right. If it was all just about selling me coffee and they now have a Negrana, which is a Negroni derivation, you know, it's kind of fun stuff. But my sister turned me on to this podcast and I finally gave in and started listening over Christmas. And all of January, it was the only podcast I listened to. And I let all my other podcasts stack up. And I just listened and listened and listened until I had to take a break. But to sail through COVID with them, to revisit, like Emily was like, you've got to go back and listen from the beginning because there's a lot of inside jokes. And so I was very sensitive about what I picked for Ricardo. So that they were episodes he could enjoy that didn't feel like they dipped too much into the past or whatever. But but I think a lot of the compliments people have given them, you know, you helped me get through this yeah. and, you know, like that sort of stuff. I think it's all really real for people. Yeah, that was the other thing. You're right. They, they, they open each episode or at some point in each episode, they they give they read their positive reviews. And a lot of people are like, you've really helped me get through COVID. I've been so depressed, but you guys are a light to me. And I just, you're so wise and you're so fun and funny and you give me hope. And I thought, you know, you can't really shake a stick at that. You you gotta, that's, yeah. that's good stuff. All right. All right. Here we go. All right. Last but not least, it's my turn. I'm going to try not to dissolve into like a coughing fit at some point. So I might talk kind of quietly. Ricardo gave me his recommendations here's how that happened. We were talking and he was like, well, you've seen a lot of movies. You've seen a lot of TV. I don't know what to give you. And then he was like, ah, maybe I could give you an album. That's what he said. An album to listen to. And I was like, absolutely do for me with music, what you did for Betsy with film last year. There's probably tons of albums that I haven't listened to. He said, great. I'll send you a list. You can pick the one that you haven't listened to. And I was like, I can totally do that. Awesome. Then a few days later in my email, I get an email from Ricardo asking me to listen to four albums, which I want to say he justified that by saying, um, I know it sounds like a lot, but Betsy gave me three 90 minute podcast episodes and this will take you less time (laughs) is what he said. Damn. You know what? He also, he also tends to say, I've got three things. Right. So I have literally never done more homework for this podcast than I did for this episode tonight. Uh-oh. But, but, and here, this is what's interesting. And this is more, this is about me. It's not about you, Ricardo. In my work in transition ministry, I do a lot of work on um, implicit bias. And so much about bias is, I do it w- when it comes to like hiring and calling clergy to congregations. So much about bias is about like the social cultural biases that we all have, but we also have our own individual biases that come from our own experiences. So like, you might not like this guy because he reminds you of that guy. You know what I mean? And you don't always know it's like subconscious. So what I realized as I was going through this exercise of listening to the four albums that Ricardo gave me to listen to is um, the resentment I hold from all the men in my life who have said at some point, you've just got to listen to this album. For women, when you're dating a guy, they're usually the music expert. Then this is heterosexual couples. They have a lot, they have really good taste in music. They know things that you don't know. 
and then they give you an education. So I realized that part of my procrastination on my preparation for this episode was like, I don't need anyone telling me what to do. Hmm. So music mansplaining. Musical mansplaining. Oh my gosh. Musical mansplaining. Exactly. Am I right, Betsy? This is a thing, isn't it? You're correct. You're correct. You're correct. I just dropped a cough drop somewhere on my person. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Down her shirt. This is a crazy episode. (laughs) This is amazing. Oh, so Liz, I, I almost feel like I have to defend myself, but you do not. I was just explaining. Like, no, you, this was literally your job. It was literally your job for this episode was to give me something to listen to. But there was something about it being music that I was like, oh, this feels familiar. But as I said, that's about me and not about you. You recommended four excellent albums. I didn't listen to all of them in their entirety because, frankly, I was running out of time. Ricardo, why don't you tell them the four albums that you picked for me? <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, I just sort of want to say, um, technically, there are three albums and an EP. <laughs> Which that's like, that's like Greg, that's like Greg right. Knight rules right there. I feel well, okay. So I really, I shouldn't have done it. I got very excited. Um, I actually, well, and again, you can cut this out of the podcast, but just sort of say you said, I don't know a lot about music. I'd love to hear more about that. And so true. true. I sort of feel like I would maybe was set up on that one. I don't know. <laughs> Again, this is about me. It's not about you. Okay. Okay. So here are the four. And um, initially I thought, well, let's, let's, you know, I'll say, listen, like with Betsy last year, the first one that you don't know, listen to that one. And then I got very excited. And I couldn't decide. And I said, well, just listen to all four. And highlight something you want to highlight. So my first pick was um, an old Bob Dylan album called Bringing It All Back Home, which I think is my favorite Bob Dylan album. And I believe it's from 1965. Uh, It's when he was making his transition from folk into kind of rock. And so these three albums, Bringing It All Back Home, Highway 61 Revisited, and Blonde on Blonde, were this really creative mix of like still some old folk, but some new rock and this one's my favorite. So I picked that one. And, and that's I- the one that I did listen like from start to finish. I listened to it on a walk. I knew a lot of those songs, but I had never listened to them in order. The second one I gave her to listen to was uh, Everything But The Girl, Amplified Heart, mm-hmm. which I loved um, in the 90s. Uh, and then the third one is a compilation CD called The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Heron. Mm-hmm. 1974 it's sort of a compilation of kind of his best songs from i think three albums prior and then the fourth one is an ep by sinead o'connor called gospel oak which i loved when it came out in i don't know 2000 or something so those are the four i feel bad just listing all of those that's a lot of work it was a lot um loved the bob dylan album and the Sinead O'Connor, those are probably my favorites. Obviously, based on the title, the Sinead O'Connor one was really spiritual. There was a lot, like you could exegete a lot of those songs, the Sinead O'Connor ones. I personally did not like everything but the girl. I've never listened to them before. Hmm. And I don't know if it just felt dated to me or you had asked me to pay attention to the lyrics. And I had a little bit more trouble like picking up the lyrics. I don't know if it was about her voice or the arrangement or something. Um, so that's maybe my least favorite. And then the um, Gil Scott Heron was 
interesting. It was sometimes funny. Sometimes that kind of humor that was like, ooh, am I supposed to think this is funny? Really interesting to listen to in 2023. Like some stuff that you think like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying that. And if somebody said that today, like, could you? So really interesting social commentary, which was a great um, kind of flip side to the Bob Dylan record. Who He was also doing that, but it was obviously from a different perspective. Yeah, they were all fun. I mean, they were all really interesting. They went together in great ways. Um, and thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it um, was fun. Like, when was the last time that you just listened to a whole album from start to like? I just don't do that. Mm-mm. And I have Apple Music, so like, they don't even really set you up for that. Like, when you put in the artist's name, you can search for the albums, but they're going to show you their most popular songs. You can shuffle them, whatever. And like a whole album is like such a um, intentional statement, like mm-hmm. how the songs go together, um, how they're arranged, the order, obviously. So that was really kind of a treat. And I listened to them all like on my walks. So I would just like put in my headphones and press play. And that was really great. Yeah. I mean, everything but the girl, Liz, is like it, it, it's one of the most depressing uh, beautiful albums I I know. hit in the clubs back in the 90s yep. i just i find that that got me through some breakups and mm-hmm. i just thought you know it's really it's great stuff anyway let me ask those of you who work with youth today do the kids these days like if they're dating someone or have a crush on someone do they make them a playlist that would totally be a thing i think because yeah. i just feel so fortunate that like i came of age during the mixtape and mix cd era Mm-hmm. And it really was up until like probably the last guy I dated who made me a mix CD, like before MP3s really took over, was probably like in seminary. Like that era mm-hmm. lasted for a long time. And I remember I was just telling someone this story because we're the song um, Let's Stay Together came on. And I have this distinct memory that when I broke up with my high school boyfriend so that we could go to separate colleges he made me a mix CD like as a going away gift. And the first song on the album was Marvin Gaye's Let's Stay Together. What is it? And I remember being what is like, he trying to say? What is he trying what to is say? And I remember my mom being like, I remember my mom being like, honey, don't like, don't do this <laughs> don't to yourself. Do it. Like, don't read <laughs> too much into this. No, but I'm like, I probably still have that CD somewhere. Like, I just remember like how significant it felt for someone to like make for you. It seems, it, I would think, you know, the playlist, there's so many things you can choose from like on Spotify. Oh, yeah. I made you this playlist. What? Um, but it's almost too much. Um, it doesn't feel earned or hard earned. You sit there, especially with a cassette where you have to time the end of it to work and you're, I would take notes and how many minutes is left and are left and, and the CD to a certain extent as well. 
And it felt like such a little, I made this thing. I actually mass produced my mixes of CDs and would mail them out to like 50 friends. It was kind of crazy. There were like five of those. And then seminary happened and I stopped being cool, as you all know. Well, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. But like everything but the girl that amplified heart CD, I was with two different guys, one straight, one gay. And that was on and they burst into tears because of like the guy was like he just broken up with his girlfriend and he was drunk and he put it on and he was giving me a ride home. And I had a little crush on him and he starts crying, which, of course, makes you have a bigger crush on someone. I mean, oh, yeah. And then my other friend, he there's a song on there called December 25th and it made him miss. He was gay, but he had been married to a woman. And he it made him miss the good times they had together. So that's the power of music, I think. Absolutely. 100%. Well, thank love- you for doing that. I got through my resentment of having someone assign me music to listen to. Okay. Well, because you said you had Apple Music and you're always mm-hmm. looking for new stuff. I, I literally spent at least as much time as you did, I Aww. think, going through all this stuff, um, like five hours. And wow. so I have all these, I have like 60 more that it's like, if you ever want to check them out, I'm happy to send them, but I don't yeah. want to piss you off. <laughs> you wouldn't piss me off. It was fun. Like I've like really the only Sinead O'Connor I've ever heard is nothing compares to you. Yeah. So it was, uh-huh. it was great. Yeah. I, I love that. We all kind of leaned on our own thing <laughs> to recommend. So it's like, I'm the movie person. Betsy's got like long form, you know, kind of like TV podcast thing, Ricardo's music, Liz's books. Like we kind of all went back to our thing to like recommend. We did. Well, I mean, some of it is also if you're enjoying something and you really dig it. I mean, I I am the kind of person who likes to dig it with other people. I mean, some of what I like about the podcast, the Esperanto podcast, is that my sister listens to it so we can like talk about it. You know, like, it's just fun to be able to talk about it with somebody else, whether it's music or bookstore, Strawberry Mansion. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I I, mean, thank you all for giving your time, talent, and treasure of your wisdom for this uh, for this podcast and this <laughs> annual pop swap. I'm not going to have to think ahead, but, uh, but thank you for doing that. And I hope that maybe our listeners might explore something new based off of this podcast and uh and and find something new in their lives and maybe if you have a friend that you would like to do this with you should swap something too because it's kind of a fun exercise to do among friends i think but thank you so much for listening this has been pop and collars um you can find pop and collars wherever you find all of your podcast needs met including the episcopal journal We love the Episcopal Journal, and we hope that you will, too. Tune in for all of your Episcopal News needs. Uh, Plug our merch. We got merch. And we have some merch (laughs) on the Pop and Collars podcast website. We got some T-shirts. Maybe they'll go viral. What else we got, Greg? Uh, We got, um, what, buttons, stickers? Buttons, coffee Uh, cups. Stickers. I need some stickers. I mean, it's anything. Because who are we doing this thing? Who are we collabing with on this? Redbubble. With Redbubble, yeah, which I love, 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 love. My my water bottle, which if this was, if we had a Patreon and this one, you could then behind the, behind, this is not in the free feed, watch us do the podcast. I know that there's a lot of our listeners who would love to see that happen. 
My water bottle is covered with so many stickers and some of them are from Redbubble and they've been really great. So thank you so much for tuning in and being with us. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Ricardo. And keep those collars popped, everybody. Mm -hmm. Pop, pop. Yay, Liz. I'm so sorry, you guys. Like That happened to our priest in the middle of a sermon. The other oh, day, like he lost and there was no so. water. Oh, there was like an usher, oh, like God. sprinting out of the church. We've got to get water. He's dying up there. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, man. Well, I'm sorry. Did I ruin the episode, Greg? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's the worst one. The worst one. It's fine. We're going to get our uh, what, 5,000 downloads. It's going to be fine. It's